Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie podcast. I am your host, Cody. I'm with my co-host, Noah. And today, we're going to be talking about the NBA right now, the playoffs, uh, past series, previous series, upcoming predictions. Tonight, we have Clippers versus the Suns game two. And before I get to that, I really want to talk about the Clippers versus Jazz series. Now, okay. in the Clippers versus Jazz series, we see Kawhi go out with a knee injury. We don't know if it's an ACL. We don't know if it's just – I've heard reports of it just being either a strain um, or he hyperextended it. No one has clear information. We don't know why the Clippers are being so secretive about it. But nevertheless, the Jazz without Kawhi lose to the Clippers. And I, I'm just not sure if the Jazz weren't good, if the Clippers didn't need Kawhi. Noah, is it was this a Jazz collapse or are the Clippers just better than we think they are? Um, I, I would say it's a little bit of both. Uh, I, I think that Ty Lue uh, made some changes to the team to where, as we talked about last week, the role players are going to play a major role in, in the series um, and the Clippers as an organization going forward. You have Paul George, who has now erased the name Pandemic P for himself, at least in this <laughs> year's play- playoffs, um, and, and was playing great. Has stand stood up and and taken the mantle in Kawhi's absence, but as we talked about last week, you can't allow role players to lead the series. Terrence Mann can't play thirty six minutes and give you thirty nine points. If you have Utah <laughs> Jazz, you cannot allow him to to give you thirty nine points. Go seven of ten from the three point line. That cannot happen. Mm. Reggie Jackson should not be putting twenty seven points on you. It just doesn't happen. If you're yeah. the Utah Jazz, you cannot allow that. Let's see, if Ter- they won game seven, 131 to 119. If Terrence Mann scores 19 points. Which right, is which way is, over which his is, season average. Exactly, which is still over his average. And Reggie Jackson still gets 27, which is over his average. They lose the game. They lose the game. If the Utah Jazz just do their job, even just on Terrence Mann. <laughs> just on <laughs> Terrence Mann. You can let Reggie Jackson get 27. Paul George gave you 28, which he, he is capable of, of more. But yeah. as I told you, in, in those big stages, it's not always a guarantee that you're going to get, you know, 39, 40 points from him. But somehow you allow Terrence Mann in 10 minutes less than Paul George to get 11 more points than Paul George. <clears throat> That's true. That, that, that cannot happen if you're, if you're the Utah Jazz. Defensively, they, they did collapse. That's why I say it's both. Defensively, they collapse. Yeah. They allow the role players to just get wide open buckets. Uh, the Clippers made adjustments. That's why I say credit Ty Lue. They ran small. They ran the ball and had Rudy Gobert out there looking like a high school freshman. Had no idea what he was doing defensively. And he's the reigning, you know, defensive player of the year. Had no idea what he was doing. He gave you, what, 12 and 10? Uh, Rudy Gobert did in, in yeah. game seven. So his he did fine, I guess, on the offensive end. That's what he would normally give you. Uh, he, he needs more rebounds than that. If you're, you know, what is he, 7'3", uh, you need more rebounds than that. Credit to the Clippers, they took him out of the game. They brought him out onto the perimeter and made him chase chase shooters around. Uh, Marcus Morris did what Marcus Morris does in seven points and, and five rebounds. So they did yep. fine there. Nick Batum still gave you 16, which I'm <laughs> if you if you use Utah Jazz, you can't allow <laughs> that to happen either. But the the biggest story come game seven was Terrence Mann and Reggie Jackson. Yeah. And, and that was the story for the last couple games that the, the Jazz were losing. It's just the role players. They came alive. And the Jazz had no answer for him. 
Now, granted, yeah. uh, Donovan Mitchell was a little injured, so I know that that changed the trajectory for him. Um, but people do forget Conley did come back for this game. Yes, he mm-hmm. only played 26 minutes. And yes, I understand he's coming just off of injury. But one of eight from the field and one of six from three is not going to get anything done. Not even Absolutely close. nothing done. Quinn Snyder failed <laughs> and, and should have made some adjustments uh, in this game. Clarkson gave you 21 off the bench. You put Clarkson in there instead of Conley um, and, and put Ingles in there instead of Gobert. Match smalls for small. No, for you have smalls. They made no adjustments, and Gobert no. was getting eaten up, eaten alive on on national television, eaten alive. And, and worst about that is upcoming. So, like, if if you're the Jazz and you play this series, and Kawhi's in the other team, you yep. walk away and you lose. That's okay. You can go into the off season and you can make adjustments, knowing that you played a really good team and you, and you lost to a two time champion, but. Yep. Kawhi is not playing the last two games. And you yeah. get not just lose, you get blown out by mm-hmm. 10 to 20 both games. You, mm-hmm. you can't have that happen. Now you're going into an offseason where Rudy Gobert is slated to make $45 million. <laughs> what kind of roster adjustments can you make as a team, especially when you got an aging Conley, who is basically your second sixth man of the year? Mm-hmm. You got Clarkson, who granted he had a great season and he deserved everything he got is that sustainable we don't know we've never seen him do what he did this year and and now you're you're falling farther behind in the west is is there anything especially with gobert the the big offseason question is gobert is he he's obviously not worth 45 million dollars and he's certainly not a superstar he is a star he's the defensive player of the year but he's not a superstar and you can't be paying non-superstars 45 million dollars it just can't happen Agreed. Especially when they're getting exposed like that, because they're doing the same thing that Brooklyn did to Milwaukee with Brook Lopez. They put, mm-hmm. um, what was his name? They put, um, I'm spacing big time. Brown. Is that his name? Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. Thank you. I could not remember his first name. They put Bruce mm-hmm. Brown on him. At, uh, Brooklyn did. And then mm-hmm. they would bring him up to screen every time. And every time Brooke had fallen and he'd yep. get trapped up top in the screen. And then he would usually double KD. And then Bruce Brown's cut into the lane every single time. He had a free lane to the basket every time. And that's what we were saying with Gobert. So is there anything that Jazz can do in the offseason to put them over the top, knowing that they have the limitations they do structurally with the contracts? Structurally, I don't know that there's anything that the Jazz can do differently. They have, on paper, a great team, in my opinion. They have a great team. Um, I, I think maybe make some changes to your backup center position in Derek Favors. He's an older guy. You already have a center that can't stretch the floor um, in, in, in Rudy Gobert. He will not step outside the paint and, and hit any shot there. So you don't need a Derek Favors that can't do the same thing. It yeah. is older and is slower. Um, it is a, a traditional big um, that just sits in the paint, right? You need somebody that can run the floor slash face the floor. Um mm-hmm that can run in that second unit to give you more offense um, as well as versatility. Uh, versatility is a big thing that the Utah Jazz have on paper. Um, they just didn't utilize it in these playoffs. Uh, coaching, the whole scheme, just did not match what they needed to do. I think that they have the players to complete it. I think 
in reality, they should have beat the, the Clippers. Great, you, you, know, obviously you think healthy versus healthy, they, they win the series? With Kawhi out there, I think that they still could. Okay. Um, if they, because I, I think that the Clippers would also have to make some different adjustments there. They wouldn't. I don't think they'd be able to go as small. Um, granted, you know, a, a Terrence Mann wouldn't get the same minutes that he got, but Kawhi is a better defender, obviously, than any of those guys. So I think it would have been a very interesting series. I think it would have gone seven instead of six. Um, it would have been an interesting outcome. I do think Gobert would have been able to. to bit better on the court um mm-hmm. but get, again give credit to the clippers ty Lue made the changes that he needed to make so he did you know I, he did. I, I can't i can't say that he wouldn't even with Kawhi in the game um and quinn snyder for the jazz just didn't make those changes that needed to be made and they were they were glaring you know i like, agree we, we could all see the changes that needed to happen they just didn't happen i think one of the biggest things that surprised me in this postseason is the difference that we see between regular season coaching and postseason coaching. You have coaches that are amazing and they can get their teams 40 to 50 wins in a regular season. Mm -hmm. And then they get matched up with a coach who just has the prowess and the understand understanding to be able to make the changes mid series, mid game. It doesn't matter. I, I I think one of the things that surprised me is how much I, I undervalued Ty Lue as a coach. Because when they decided to sign him this offseason, I didn't understand it. I really didn't. I thought you were going to the same – going to have the same problems that you did last season, considering it's the same structure that you had last mm-hmm. season. Yeah. So I, I, credit to Ty Lue for what he's done with this team and where he's turned him into, especially without Kawhi. And credit to Paul George for what he did in this, uh, in this series. Um, Batum mm-hmm. stepped up more than – I, I thought he had in him. I thought he was washed, okay. especially after he wasn't playing um, in Charlotte and decided just to <laughs> do nothing until he went to a good team, which, you know, we can all talk about how shady that might be. But either way, he you know, <laughs> he's doing what he's doing now. Yep. Um, and honestly, I'm looking at this Utah Jazz um, contract situation for next season. They have a lot of locked up money, a lot of locked up money. They have $130 million locked up next year. I, I was mis misspeaking about Gobert. He only has thirty four million making next year. Okay. Um, they're losing that Conley contract, but you have mm-hmm. people like Royce O'Neal, Derek Favors, mm-hmm. um, Az- Azubuk, whatever his name is. Um, a lot of these people that are locked up for the next three four years. Clarkson's locked up till twenty twenty three twenty twenty four. Um, Ingles is expiring next year, which is it's a good asset at twelve million. Is there any way that a team like this, let's say that you package like a Joe Ingles um, and maybe a Derek Favors and then eat some cap, is there any way a team like this could go after like a, like a Kevin Love, get some experience, get some shooting? Um, and we've seen with someone like Blake Griffin that maybe people aren't just – maybe Kevin Love's taking it easy in his situation because he knows that there's going to be a situation where he can win a championship where he could really exert himself – like Blake Griffin did this year when he went to the Nets. Do you see someone like that as someone that would put them over the edge, or do you think it has to be young talent that you can match with Donovan Mitchell to really set you apart? Exactly. Yeah, no, it, it would have to be young talent to match Donovan Mitchell's timeline. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't think a Kevin Love would put them over the top. Yes, he, he can stretch the floor uh, and he can rebound. I do understand that. How he fits with this team, I'm not sure. 
And, and Ingles, I think, is a very actually important piece to this team. Mm. Um, I think that okay. he fits into their system. I think the biggest issue that they have is with that vers- versatility that comes with Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. They, they're very limited in what they can do on the court when Rudy Gobert is on the court. Yes, he's a great rim protector, um, but cannot defend outside the paint. And that, that's just the reality of it. It's true. Um, that that changes things when the rest of your team is so is small. As we talked about last week, right? Royce O'Neal is what he's like, 6'7". Yeah. That's their power forward. When you got a small team, Donovan Mitchell is what, 6'3", maybe? Mike Conley, same thing. Um and then you got a giant in the middle at seven two. Teams will easily attack that because that's the only giant that you have out there. Mm-hmm. So either you gotta kind of bulk up a little bit more in size, maybe a, a little bit of a bigger power forward that's versatile and still can can maneuver and as is athletic like Royce O'Neal, or commit to being small, play that small ball and have your second unit have have some height on it. Uh, I think that they need to commit okay. one way or the other because teams can easily just pick out the giant and just. Hey, come here. <laughs> and we're yeah. gonna go buried on an island and there's not much else anybody can do about that. No, because they don't have that secondary defender in the paint. Exactly. So I think that uh that needs to change as well as they gotta figure out this point guard position. Um with the with that Conley contract expiring. He is an older guy, but and he is that veteran and he was playing great in the regular season alongside Mitchell. So I'm not saying they gotta get rid of him. They just got to figure that out money-wise and, and think, do they want to actually pay him again? Because he can't stay healthy. And that's something he's been struggling with for the past couple of years. Yeah. And obviously he's only getting older. So does he still fit that timeline? Is that something they still want on that team? Um, I'm, I'm not sure what young guard would fit there. I mean, cap-wise, I don't know that they could do it, but like a, a Dennis Schroeder off the Lakers Ooh. with the Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt could be dangerous. I like that. Get him back to a six man of the year type role. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That that could could really change some things for for that team. Um, and then find a, a different big instead of Derek Favors. I think could really change the entirety of this team. But then they just need to be able to adjust. That's that's yeah. the biggest thing I think. They they would have won that series had they just made adjustments. Even, they, even yeah. with the roster as it is, even with Conley going one for eight from the floor, they still could have won. <laughs> it. It, it's postseason. It's all about adjustments, and you see people lose series all the time, like it. But the one yeah. team that did not lose the series is the Los Angeles Clippers, as they go on to take on the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Yep. In Game One, we saw Booker, no CP3, no Kawhi, and we don't mm-hmm. know when they're coming back. They already got ruled out for Game Two tonight. Um, we don't know still the status of Kawhi, and we don't know how long the protocol for CP3 is going to be. Mm-hmm. In game one, we saw, honestly, the Suns, it, it was a lot closer than it seemed, in my opinion. We saw the Phoenix Suns dominate the game from start to finish. Booker was 40, outstanding, shot almost 50% from the field, 13 yeah. rebounds, 11 assists, and he really took over that point guard position. The entire starting Suns lineup got over 10 points for the game, so they're averaging like they can they can move the ball around really well and they can trust all of their players to score which is something that the clippers cannot do as they only had three people the entire game including the bench over 10 points mm-hmm. um we saw paul george uh shoot he didn't shoot great but he had 29 points um or maybe it was 32 um 
Reggie Jackson has been incredible as he was mm-hmm. in the last series, and he, he continues to be that force when Kawhi goes out. Mm-hmm. Um, what the one thing that really confused me was that, you know, in, in series number one, we saw the Clippers lost in the first two games, and they didn't know what to do until they played their small lineup, and then they ended up relatively handling the Mavericks. Yep. In series number two, the same thing. They started big because they thought that that's what they would have to do against Rudy Gobert. Yep. And then they ended up figuring out that the small lineup was working mm-hmm. and they handedly won the last two games. Yep. And then he, here we go again. It's like deja vu. I was just complimenting Ty Lue. He starts this game with Cousins playing. Cousins plays 13 minutes in this game. Old washed up Cousins. Hasn't played 10 games a season in five years. Mm-hmm. And he looks completely lost out there and Aiden was eating him alive. I'm just not, I'm just confused at why Ty Lue seems to think that this is manageable. Like that, that this is reasonable. Is it, is it that he wants, is he, is he throwing away game one and resting his stars? Um, is he saying I, I've done it two game, two series in the past. I can make adjustments. Um, what, what are you seeing from this series to start out? And, and do you think that, in game two tonight, Ted Lee will come out and, and run that small ball, ball lineup that's gotten him success in the past. Yeah, I, I think that these these playoffs are all just games of adjustments. Um, you know, you, you're going to stick to your tradition um, if you're an NBA team coming into a playoff. You're going to run your big out there because you know that they have DeAndre eight, right? And, that, and we saw what he did in the Lakers series as well as the Nuggets series against another big. Um, he he took Joker, uh, Joker's lunch. He did. He did. He did. Um, and so, you know, Ty Lue saw that. He said, well, my small guys aren't going to be able to do nothing to him. Um, so let me put somebody big out there just to be out there, a body, um, you know, a Cousins that can stretch, that can stretch the floor. Uh, was one of two from three. Uh, you know, it still gave you 11 points. Um, got a block and got four boards. So I, I understand that's not a bad outing from, for, from Cousins. That's actually great production for the Clippers. Now, defensively is where that you got the struggle. You don't have mm-hmm. a defensive big. Yeah. Um, Cousins is not a defender. He's an offensive <laughs> player. Right. So that, that, that's the problem. Um, and Aiden still put up 20 and, and nine. Um, mm-hmm. So he still had a solid outing for him beyond efficient 10 or 14 shooting. Um, but I, I think if you're Ty Lue, the idea is – let me let me run this this big lineup and see see how we match up, right? They're they're running without their floor general in the in the Suns, right? They don't they don't have Chris Paul, yeah. So he he's not there. So let's just stick to playing big because you know the Suns aren't going to change that without your floor general that size in there. Um, and so I think game two, um, I think that you they'll still come with the big lineup. You see that, you know, Cousins only played 13 minutes and Zubak only played 18, right? So that's that's just to kind of give uh, Aiden a couple of different looks. You don't want to start out small and let him get on a roll. No. Just no, punishing no. Your, your little guys inside and just literally just beating them down. You don't want to start that way um, and, and let him get that confidence because you don't want him to see shots go in, even though he already did. Uh, and, and you don't want your little guys or smaller guys say, um, taking a beating off, off the bat. I don't think he's throwing away game one uh, to rest anybody. They still almost won the game. Um, you know, they, they shot 42% from three, um, which, you know, typically typically should get it done. 
Um, the only thing was Phoenix shot 55% from the field and the Clippers shot 45% from the field. That was the only difference um, in, in the entirety of that game. So if you're the Clippers, yeah, that small ball lineup is dangerous. <laughs> I would be I would be interested to see if they start Marcus Morris at the center position this game. But mm. something I do want to point out here is you notice in the box score, Marcus Morris has six points. That's that's normal. Yeah. Terrence Terrence Mann has nine points. That's, that's normal. normal. That's normal. <laughs> Nick Batum has five points. That's, that's normal. normal. <laughs> they, they, they they limited those those role players. That's what uh, what Phoenix did. And surprisingly, Cousins and Zubak were the ones that gave them the offense a little bit of offensive push off the bench. Mm-hmm. It was the big boys. So that that's also something to look at. Um, this this Phoenix Suns team has better wing defenders. Um, that are more scrappy. A Cameron Payne's going to get in you. Devin Booker's relentless, and he will attack you. Yeah. Ter- uh, Craig will will continue to attack you. Obviously, we know Crowder's a dog. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Mikael Bridges is is a really good defender. So the other aspect is you got all these wings on the Clippers, but Phoenix has a lot of wing defenders too. Right. They don't have too much interior defense. DeAndre Ayton's not a great interior defender. The Clippers don't have interior defense. So it's, it, it's kind of a game of of chess right there. Do you want to have a bunch of guards out there that the, that the Suns can actually match up with defensively? Or do you want to let your big boys kind of bang with, with Ayton? Because after Ayton, there's no one really big, right? You got Sarge yeah. coming off the bench. Yeah. He's not going to get down there and bang with nobody. Nobody. That And that was the thing in the Lakers series. They're so big, but – Somehow, uh, the Suns were able to keep those bigs off the floor um, to, to really do damage compared to, to Aiden. Yeah. And, and same thing with the Nuggets series, right? After Jokic, what happens? So that's – it's really going to – I think Aiden is, is one of the more important pieces to this series um, until Chris Paul gets back. But even when he Chris Paul is back, that adds another element of a dog on the Suns' perimeter defense as well as offense. So the Clippers do have their, their work cut out for them. It's going to be interesting if Kawhi is able to come back this series. Hmm. Um, but but the interior is going to be where this series is won, in my opinion. That's a great point. The they Both both teams have excellent wing defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's most interesting to me is that like when CP3 goes out, and he's a huge mm-hmm. – obviously he's everything to this team – Mm-hmm. Booker is able to step up and still be that facilitator role. Whereas yeah. if, if you're looking at the other side with the Clippers, Paul George is an incredible talent, but he doesn't have that skill to his game. Yeah. So if, if this game is going to be won on the inside, you know, Cousins has got to do something because if, if we're looking for Paul George to get his teammates involved, especially with, because, the Suns are so good at creating one-on-one um, opportunities. They'll switch, and they don't care who they switch onto. And so they'll take you one-on-one. It doesn't matter who you are. And they're great on-ball defenders, their whole team. So mm-hmm. if, if you're if you're passing the ball to a Nick Batum saying, you know, go get me a basket, it's not going to work. And you saw that happen. If you, if you pass the ball to Terrence Mann, you say, go get me a basket by yourself against mm-hmm. an incredible on-ball defender in like Crowder um, or even Cameron Payne, who will get up in your grill – I don't think it's going to happen. So 
is there anybody on that team that can really step up in that facilitator role? And, and if not, then is there any way the Clippers can win this series without Kawhi? Um, I, I think that Reggie Jackson and Rondo, um, playoff Rondo, got to step up for the Clippers um, in, that, in that role to be able to facilitate, to be able to put people in their spot, put PG where he's supposed to be um, to get the buckets that he needs to get. Now, now this Terrence Mann guy is, is shooting very efficiently with three of three from three point land, three of four from the field. So, and that's coming off his thirty nine point game. Yeah, uh, shooting seven of ten from from the three point line. So he can shoot the ball. That's he's shown us that he can shoot the ball. He just needs somebody to put him in the spot to get his shot off. He only shot four shots. If I'm the Clippers and I'm Ty Lue, I'm like get this boy the ball. Yeah, you only you shooting at least eight this. shots again. At least eight. Oh, shots. yeah, at least. The, uh, Cousins shot 10, and you shot four if you're Terrence Mann. That, we can't have that. No. Uh, <laughs> now, I understand they're trying to put some pressure on, on Aiton and make him defend. And see, the thing is, I think that they might they might try to run small to get Aiton in foul trouble. Because that was the thing. Uh, Boogie, Cousins, played uh, 13 minutes and had five fouls. Yeah. Right. Well, he, he can't so, keep up defensively. That's Exactly. Why. So he can't yeah. keep up defensively. Um, and, and Zubak had three fouls. So the, the bigs just weren't able to play out there because, <laughs> you know, the, the the Suns team attacks the basket with reckless abandon, and Aiton's <laughs> there to clean up the clean up the you know the boards and then put it right back. And Aiton only had one foul. He's athletic enough to be able to move around. Not that he's you know a great perimeter defend, defender or anything, but he's still able to to move. Um, and that's that's the difference. So Rondo and Reggie Jackson, even though that's not really Reggie Jackson's game to to really facilitate. Like that, he's a score first kind of guard. Uh, Rondo, in his his uh, on the court coaching, is gonna have to put people in spots. Yeah, um, and, and really make a difference there. Well, do you do you do you do the Gobert situation and say, you know, we'll give up seven offensive rebounds in this game, but we're gonna put a younger, um, not younger, but a, a smaller, more versatile guard. Um, mm-hmm. on to Aiden and say, come on out, you know, because yeah. who, who on the Suns is going to man the paint if Aiden goes out? Who? No one. Literally. No one's going to be able to do it like Aiden can because Aiden's a presence. Nobody else on that team has a presence like he is, yep. and no one's going to stop him from finishing. So I say don't wait till game three and you realize it's a lost cause. I say you go small in this game, run the same lineup that you ran in game seven against the Jazz, and you do the same game plan, and you see if they can do it. If if, if they make adjustments, if the Suns make adjustments, then then you adjust at halftime, and then maybe run something else. But if if you're going to run Cousins out there again, it's not going to work, in my opinion. Because one thing Aiton's incredible at, and and I'll give him this, especially for how young he is, is he does not get into foul trouble. Rarely, he knows how to play with himself, and he knows when and when not to um, be overly aggressive and he never has to be overly aggressive against cousins because frankly, he's not good. Cousins is not good. So mm-hmm. if, if you're not going to put Aiden in uncomfortable positions, I don't think the Clippers can, can do anything in this series. That's fair. Yeah. You do have to make Aiden uncomfortable. Um, but I, I think that he is so comfortable because Booker is so relentless. hundred percent. So Aiton's able to just kind of camp out in the paint um, or even float around the mid-range. Um, not that he's, you know, got a mid-range jump or anything, but he can kind of float around because Booker's on. Um, 
Um, he's either he's pulling up from that mid range, the elbow, or he's driving, um, or even shooting the three a little bit. And, and so that changes things for Aiton because that also puts pressure on whoever's guarding him. Um, you know, if they get into a pick and roll situation and you got Devin Booker and, and DeAndre Aiden, who's switching and who's guarding what? If you run in small, whoever, wherever Aiden's rolling, you got nobody. Nobody. That's, that's, that's stopping that unless you put a big out there. And, and it had to be like a Zubak because Boogie's too slow for that. So that, that's where I think where the, the problem with the Clippers lies. And while CP3 is out, that's, that's one of the Suns' best moves is just run a high pick and roll with uh, Booker. Um, and you put Bridges and Crowder in pain out, at, you know, in certain spots on the perimeter, and let Booker either attack or, or you know, just sidestep and and pop or hit Aiden on the roll, hit Aiden on the roll, stopping the paint, kick it back out to Jay Crowder. Bang. Yeah, yeah. They, that, and that's that that makes the Clippers move. So that was something that they could do with um, that the Clippers did with Gobert. Right, they put Gobert in the pick and roll, and he was so confused. Like, what am I supposed to do on this perimeter here? Uh, you can't, you can't really do the same thing with Aiden. No, he's he's more athletic um, and lighter on his feet than a Gobert is. So he can he can still slide his feet. So that that's that's the problem where the Clippers have the Suns can put them in a pick and roll, and the Clippers it won't really change too too much to put Aiden in the pick and roll, in my opinion. Do you, if you're the Clippers, do you throw more of it? I don't. Now I'm not super familiar with how Tyler runs his defense um, on a game-to-game basis, but do you throw more zone at them and just focus on team defense? No, 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 no. You not not all the time. Just like in pockets, like two minutes here, two minutes there, just to give them a different look. Because then, then, then you can run a smaller lineup all the time, and you don't have to worry about that pick and roll. And I'm not saying the whole time. I'm just saying like, yeah. Let's say you let's say you're you're subbing out Boogie and you're bringing in a small lineup. Why not run his own for two minutes? Why not? Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Um, that's – I guess the, while, CP, while CP is out, sure. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. You're not doing that when CP is there. He'll, he yeah. will destroy you. Yeah. Um, but this team, this Suns team, they're not afraid to shoot the three ball. That's no, why I say, afraid. eh, that's, that's iffy. They didn't, they didn't launch as many as, as the Clippers did. The Clippers put up 47 in this first game. Which, which is actually which is incredible to to think that they had only one other player above at ten points in Reggie Jackson, yeah. like if now they were the number one three point shooting team in the regular season, so it doesn't uh-huh. surprise me to sh- see them shoot forty four shots. Um, yeah, but you got Paul George shooting fifteen threes and Reggie Jackson shooting twelve threes. Yeah, you can't I have can, that. I can, I can I can live with. Reggie Jackson probably shooting 12 threes because he's not like a prolific three point shooter. Yeah. Um, the fact that Paul George had to shoot 15 threes out of his 26 shots. That's bad for the Clippers. That, yeah. Tells me that they, the Suns did a good job of closing the lanes for PG and mm-hmm. not letting him get to the spots that he wants to get. He's not a, a 15. Uh, Never. Three he's not even, a, he's he, not even 10 attempt. Yeah. He's not that guy. So if you can force him into that, I mean, he still shot a, a decent percentage. Um, actually, a really good percentage, but um, I don't think that that's sustainable. I don't think he's no. going to be able to keep that up. Um, you you put a Mikael Bridges or even a Jay Crowder on him and rough him up to where he can't get in a driving lane, but he has to shoot those threes. Changes things. Now, if you're, things if you're the Clippers, maybe 
that same – do you trust another player on the team, not Rondell, because he can't shoot the three? Do you trust another one of their role players to be in the same position as Paul George and run the same plays, and maybe he gets the wide-open threes? And maybe instead of having Paul George at a 34% three-point shooter, you got a 39% three-point shooter shooting those. Do you trust another member on the Clippers with the ball enough to – get that five, six extra percent from outside. And maybe he is the one taking, you know, nine three-pointers to sub Paul George. Yeah. Uh, the only other person I would say, and, and it's not that I, I trust him so much with the ball, just in these last couple of games, you know, you ride the hot hand. So Terrence Mann is the guy that that's had the hot hand in these last couple of games. Yeah. Um, and, and has been just shooting impeccable from three. You know, if if I'm if I'm the Clippers, not necessarily that I'm running a bunch of plays for him, but I'm trying to find him. If I'm Paul George, granted, he wants to make sure that he's not pandemic P again. But I get that. You know, get your <laughs> get your buckets, do what you gotta do. I get that. Um but find Terrence Mann if I'm them. Okay. Uh, and see see if he can't relieve some of the pressure off Paul George to allow Paul to get back into his game, drive drive the lane and be able to pull up in that mid range. Um, if you got Terrence Mann actually shooting shots and knocking them down, you know, that, that opens the floor for you. Yeah. And, and another thing from, from this game is that the Clippers attempted 14 free throws. The Suns only attempted nine. Now they made all nine, but they've only attempted nine. That's really bad. That, yeah. Devin Booker got seven free throws himself and Sarge got two. That can't happen. Cameron Payne's got to get to the line. Uh, Aiden's got to get to the line. Aiden should be at the line. Um, if you got Boogie with, with five fouls, Aiden should have <laughs> gone to the line. He probably fouled him before he even got a chance to shoot the ball. So, true. Uh, true. Um, I think that that's that's gonna happen too. If you're the Suns, you can't rely on like the Jazz did because they live yeah. and die by the three. Um, you, you gotta you gotta get to the line. I agree. I agree. Slow the game down, take the momentum away from the Clippers. Let's. You don't want the Clippers in open court. What? No, you don't. What? What's your prediction for game two tonight? And give me your series prediction, knowing all the info we have about Chris Paul and Kawhi. Give me both predictions. I want to say Suns in six. Suns in six, and they win or lose tonight? I want to say they win tonight. I agree. I got Suns in six and Suns winning tonight. And I think they win pretty handedly tonight. I think they come out and they show the Clippers that like, hey, we're on a different level than you. And if you want to beat us, you have to adjust. Let's talk Atlanta versus Mm. the 76ers in Philadelphia. Now, I want to start this out by saying, go Atlanta. I, (laughs) I was the only one on the Atlanta train from the get gap since yep. they were signing all those pieces, I was in. And it makes me happy to see where they're at. Now, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think this was much more of a 76ers collapse than it was an Atlanta win. Okay. And an, another bad coaching collapse falls on Doc Rivers' head. Unfortunately. In, in a, like, granted, Joel Embiid had his knee, has his knee ten, uh, tendonitis thing. Um mm-hmm. We'll still get 31 and 11. It's micro tear, yeah. So, I mean, other than him, that, and he's playing incredible, the entire team is healthy. You're the healthiest team in the playoffs at this point. 
and you're going to lose to a team that you're, in my opinion, you're better than. Not a lot better than, but you're better than. You blew big leads in the series. Game seven, Ben Simmons comes out and has five points in a game seven. Mm-hmm. And this was after people were destroying him in game six for his performance. And you're going to come out and you're not even going to show anything. I, I'm i not sure. I, I think at this point, no, I, I want to get your thoughts on the series, what you saw, and then what do you think the aftermath of, of this is going to be for the 76ers? Yeah. I think all in all, um, the Hawks played as a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game seven should have been Phillies. 100%. The Hawks come in and shoot 25, 26% from the three-point line and still win the game. They shot <laughs> seven of 27 from the three-point line. Trey Young goes two of 11 from the three. Scrapes, scrapes out 21 points for you. But the big surprise, Kevin Herter comes through with 27. Again, the role the role players just stepping up and, and knocking down shots when they need to. Yeah. Like the, the game plan didn't didn't fall through how it was supposed to. John Collins goes for 16 rebounds. Right? Which which is which is great. He played good. Only six shots. I think he could have got a couple more. But the, the big thing that I that just kind of blows my mind is Clint Capella got six rebounds. Mm-hmm. In game seven. Mm-hmm. And they still won the game. Incredible. You got Embiid only with 11. And Tobias Harris gets 14. Right? Okay. So th- they're rebounding. Um, Simmons got his eight. But somehow, um, the Atlanta Hawks still win this game, even without, you know, massive rebound numbers there. Um, as a team... Everyone else had a, a, a decent amount of, of rebounds. Um, so I think rebounding as well as that three-point shooting is big. But obviously, everyone knows what, what this boils down to. I'm not a, you, know, you, can't, you can't run from it. You're not going to skip over it. No. Uh, it comes down to Ben Simmons. Um, if this young man shot the ball <laughs> um, or even just attacked the basket more, they would have won the game. They would have won the series. Um, they would have won the series earlier. He goes 36 minutes with five points. Yes, he gets 13 assists and eight rebounds. But only is two of four from the floor. Four shots from your starting point guard. And yeah. he's supposed to be, you know, one of your franchise guys. That just, it just can't happen. If you're the no, 76ers. It, it can't, ever. You don't have enough offensive power to allow that to happen. Um, I know that they're starting court Maz because Danny Green is injured, right? So if you're missing already another shooter, then you, you, then you can't have Ben Simmons only shooting four shots. <laughs> you know, uh, Trey Young is not he, – he can't stay in front of Ben Simmons. So mm. Ben Simmons should have made it up in his mind as soon as he knew little ice tray was supposed to be guarding him. Attack the basket. Right, he, he's got he's got he's got no other choice but the foul, and the reason why he doesn't is because of free throws, and Ben Simmons is absolutely exactly. terrified of the free throw line, and that just changes the whole trajectory of the series. Um, you know, Embiid, I know he's got a messed up knee, but still gave me thirty. Impressive, Tobias Harris twenty four and fourteen. Those two showed up to play. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons did not. 
Seth Curry did. 16 points. He showed up to play. But the rest of the team did not. You got M- M- Matisse Thibault, who's supposedly one of the best defenders in the game. He, young, but one of the best. And Ben Simmons, who said he was the defensive player of the year. And Joel Embiid, who says he was the defensive player of the year. <laughs> how, 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 how do you lose? Or how do you let a Kevin Herter get 27? Um, yeah, you made things tougher for Trey Young. He had a very off-shooting night, shooting 5 of 23. But if you're Ben Simmons and you know you're not shooting the ball, switch off of Trey Young and go get on Kevin Herter. Mm-hmm. Blow him down. I agree. I agree. Put Matisse, Matisse Thibault in there and, and let him still stay on Trey Young. Keep those two, the two shooters, out of the game. Bogdanovich, he hurt himself and only played 21 minutes and went 2 of 8 from the floor and 0, 0 of 4 from the 3. Which so is you a huge have to really blessing. worry about him. Huge exactly. blessing. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Gallinari comes in and, <laughs> and just does what Gallo does. Mm-hmm. It, it, you said it correctly. This was definitely a 76ers collapse. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no question about that. Now, what does it do for them? What changes needs to happen? I think there's, that there's two two things that this can lead to. And I know we're going to get into one of them for sure. <laughs> but now either this leads to a Ben Simmons trade, as everyone is assuming it, it should, um, or – as I've heard it mentioned before, this leads to Ben Simmons just playing that much harder. Hopefully he's in the gym every single day and just gets better. He's still young. What is he, like 24 years old? He's, he's still a very, very young guy. And it's not that he even shot – he shot 50% from the field. <laughs> he didn't shoot bad. He just didn't shoot. And yeah. that's what hurt your team. Um, I know that there's talks of him shooting – or changing his shooting hand from the left to the right, and hopefully that would open things up for him. Possibly, I'm not sure. I think it's too late uh, for that. You think it's too late? I think I think he would have made that decision by now because people have been saying it for years. That's true. That was something they said when he first came in the league that he, mm-hmm. he was shooting with the wrong hand. Um, I personally would agree with that. It's probably too late to be changing your shooting hand. Um, if you didn't realize before now that you weren't shooting with the right hand or didn't have the confidence to shoot the ball and mm-hmm. still didn't make those changes up until now. Then, then maybe the game just isn't as serious to you as other people thought it was. That's right? a great point. If if your whole mentality is, um, you know, I, I'm just Ben Simmons. I got a name. I'm a great defender. Mm. You know, I'm not an offensive player. I'm a defender. I don't need to shoot the ball. I facilitate and I defend. Okay. Then then society needs to change their expectations of this guy. Yeah. Uh, if, if people are sitting there saying that he's going to be the next LeBron, He's a jump shot away. Um, and they were saying that's when LeBron didn't have the greatest jump shot, but obviously would shoot the ball. Yeah. Um, he's, he, he's more than just a jump shot away, in my opinion. Um, he, he, he lacks confidence. He lacks fire, it, it looks like. Um, and I, I can't speak for him. I, I don't know the young man, obviously. I'm not going to like just say he, he doesn't want to play. But his actions on the court make it seem as though he's scared. He's just scared of the moment. Um, I can't say that he's not working, but it doesn't seem as though from when he was drafted that he's improved very much. People have been saying it for a couple of years now that all he needs is a jump shot. He should work on his jump shot. And he has not done that. And, and that hurts him. So mm. do I think that Philly needs to trade him? I think based off the comments that came after the game, mm-hmm. they, they do. 
which um, go ahead. That that's what I was going to get into is that yeah I think as you said I think he's maybe not as mentally tough as people need him to be, yeah. and the role that we thought he would be like you like you stated we need to reevaluate what we think of him. Yeah, and and I think with what was said after the game and it wasn't said by you know the the equipment room second you know second staff or some shit if this was said by your star player and this is said by your coach that hey you know Joel Embiid even it's clear he wanted to say more but he kept saying like I shouldn't say it I shouldn't say it and then just threw him under the bus and I think that if if you hear you know if you're at star number two and star number one says uh, this guy sucks and he's the reason we lost, mm-hmm. I think and and this is already a mentally weak player in my opinion mm-hmm. that there's no way you're coming back. There's no way. I there's not there's not one way he's coming back to this team in my opinion. Yeah. He well, I think will it be traded even, in this offseason. I, I I would agree, but I think it extends even to would Ben Simmons want to come back to this team? Exactly. Exactly. The, the coach and your your the star player. Mm-hmm. Um, have both essentially put the, the loss on you. Um, yeah. Do you want to even come back to that organization? And there's no way. Can, can you can you fit there? Can you play there? Can you live up to what they're going to be expecting from you next year? They expected you this year, and you, you failed by as much as you did. You know, they can't play you in the fourth quarter. Because now, now they, yeah, you can't play in the fourth quarter, and now you're coming back, and you don't have the mentality of like, I'm gonna play really good this year. You have to, you have to have that mentality of like I'm gonna prove them wrong, because now yes. they 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 don't expect anything of me. They expect to collapse. Yeah, he has to be mentally strong enough to know that his entire city is gonna hate him when he walks on that court. Oh, for sure. Well, and, and you know that was that was the Paul George situation just this last year, mm-hmm. and he said he was gonna come back and prove people wrong, and thus far he's done so. Yep. Now, does Ben Simmons have that kind of? ability to his game so paul george it never was afraid to shoot the ball he just wasn't making shots right <laughs> and that's something you can you can keep getting shots up and, and no fall ben simmons is just afraid to shoot the ball yeah now, i don't i don't know what you got to do to fix that or to change that does he got to talk to a psychiatrist i don't know maybe he does yeah. uh you know it, it kind of reminds me of the um markel fault situation yeah he and even he would shoot the ball more than ben simmons and he had all types of, of, of issues going on with his jump shot now what, what what does Philly think that they have to do? Granted, he's still 24 years old. I, I do believe that he can still get better. I think he has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's 6'10". Right? He's, he's just entering he, the start of his prime. Exactly. And he can see the floor like no other. Obviously, he can rebound the ball. He can push the pace. He, he can do a lot of things, except for one of the most important aspects, and that's to score the ball. Um, and that's that's where uh, I'm iffy because I know that he can remember the game. He put up uh 40 on Utah without mm-hmm. Embiid there Yeah, uh, because he, he was claiming that Rudy Gobert is supposed to be the defensive player of the year. Watch this. And he's like, and I'm not a scorer and puts yeah. 40 on him. He has it when he, when he wants to have it. now as a young, young player, is he too immature to realize that he needs to have that on a consistent basis? Especially is, is in the playoffs. When, exactly. You're in the playoffs. Now you're in a game seven. <laughs> and you, you're not going to step up and say, you know, you guys counted me out. Uh, you, you said I couldn't score. You said I'm bringing this team down. You know, that's what I'm the reason why we're in a game seven. Let me drop a 40 piece on Trey Young. But no, he gives you five. 
Mm-hmm. So, abysmal. Exactly. It, it comes back to the mentality. I don't I, know where he's at mentally. I think I, I agree a hundred percent. What sucks for both situations, Ben and the franchise, is that his trade value has diminished uh, like a ton. <laughs> like, there's no other way to put it. The ton. And yeah. now I'm hearing talks of people saying Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum straight up. And <laughs> like, like I, I get it. Ben Simmons is, you know, he showed some bad stuff in the last mm-hmm. series. And, you know, that, that adds onto the fear that everyone had from him from the beginning, from the, from the scouting report. And he's just like proving the scouting report. Right. Mm-hmm. But to say that his value dropped from, I think we both agree he's a top 30 player in the league. Yeah. Um, to think to think that he dropped from a top 30 player to like a CJ who's in the 40 to 50 range. Mm-hmm. I I just don't see it. I, I think that the 76ers will trade him this offseason. I think that they should hold for a little while to let the, the, the murmurs and the, the, the talks go down so they can at least get some good trade value on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I, I don't. I don't know what to think. I, I mean, obviously, you agree that Ben Simmons and CJ straight up is is not a good idea. But um, yeah, I, I got a I got a couple trade is yeah. What what for you. what realistic def, uh, destinations do you do you see happen in this offseason that would benefit both franchises? Yeah, I uh, well, I got two that I think are are really realistic. Um, mm-hmm. A couple others that are just kind of rumors and to kind mm-hmm. of to to. to paint a picture of all the different areas where analysts are saying Ben Simmons trade value is. Okay. So one is, is Simmons and Tyrese Maxey 2022 first round, 2024 first round and 2026 first round picks all for Damian Lewis. <laughs> right. So that's, that is a haul. <laughs> exactly. Granted that, you know, that's a haul, but granted that's for uh, Lewis. Now the yeah. same exact trade they say for Bradley Beal. So Lillard and Bradley Beal, they're they're trying to say is in the no same. No way, Bradley Beal is not with what Lillard is. No, I I would agree, but they're they're saying that they're in the same stratosphere, um, and that that that's a trade. Now <laughs> Washington would be absolutely out of their mind to make that trade. You have Westbrook and Ben Simmons. Yeah, oh, that would goodness. be <laughs> Talk about Brick City. Um, <laughs> then they say uh, Simmons in twenty twenty three first round pick from McCall. So even Philly would have to give up a first round pick just to, to get, get rid of him. Yeah. Which yeah, there's, that, no that, there's, there's no way. There's no way. CJ's not worth it. There's no way. No, I agree. Um, then they're saying to the Bulls, they're saying Simmons and Matisse Bible in the 2023 first round pick for Zach Levine and Alpha Ruth Aminu. Hmm. I, I, I don't think that that's. I think you could do that without a first round pick. I do think you could do it without a first round pick. I think if you did it, you have to, you, you know, that's. The only fair thing is without a first round pick. I agree. Which this is this what, is. Insane. Are we putting Simmons at a Zach Levine level though? It, would you? That's my question. What's I, the level? What's the level? Who's higher? What do you got? The, I think that the tough thing there is Zach Levine, like numbers wise, looks better than Ben Simmons. But I do think that Ben Simmons does more for your team than Zach Levine does. I would agree. I would agree. So, Zach Levine is a great on what third you, piece. I agree. I yeah. do agree with that. But I also – I would say that Ben Simmons is a great third piece. I, I do too. He, has, he is a third piece. But, but maybe he is a Zach Levine. 
he, maybe his is Zach Levine, just you know, different side of it. I, I, think I, I would I would X out the Lillard and the Beal. He's not either one of those. No shot. That's not going to so, happen. So maybe does that open does that open the door? Is McCollum uh, a Zach Levine? CJ McCollum a Zach. But, but Levine? then but then you lose your second, and now you're stuck with uh, the same. If you're Portland, now you're stuck with Ben Simmons as your no. Two. I, yeah, I, I agree. I'm not saying to make that trade because I think that the thing that people have been saying for so long is McCollum is not a number two option, and that's why Portland's struggling. I think mm-hmm. McCollum is a number three option. So McCollum yeah, could be in the same area. Um, now, the reason why that trade doesn't work is because you're essentially giving up a number two option. Um, and I would agree because Por- yeah. what Por- Portland's problem is that they can't – I mean, yes, you can look at their defense and say a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but you could look at Atlanta's defense and say a lot of stuff as well. I think what Portland needs to do this offseason is do what Atlanta did last offseason and just add scoring because it's clear that Portland cannot score the ball when they want to. And if if they're going to be in this West, they have to outscore these teams in the West. Because there's a lot of defense in the West. You got the two leading three point shooting teams in the Jazz and the Clippers. You got the Lakers. You got the Suns, who are going to be this good for a little while. You got Mm -hmm. a Ton, you got the Mavericks, who are a piece away, in my opinion, from being a Western Conference Finals team. You got. You got Denver that's going to get better. If you're Portland, you have to be able to score the basketball against these teams. And if you get rid of your number two option on offense and add a Ben Simmons, it's not going to work. And you are going to fall out of the playoffs, in my opinion. I agree. I do agree. Now, 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 I do got two – I got three trades here that I think are actual possibilities. Okay, I got one as well, but go ahead. Um, The first one is a signing trade. Simmons for Lowry. Okay. I, I think that that's a truly possible trade. Now, why I would say that that wouldn't work? Because of Lowry's age. Yeah, that is right. So, so I, I think that uh, – I don't think he's Lowry's ability um, in terms of status, but that one could actually work in terms of the fact that Lowry's so much older and Simmons mm-hmm. is so young, so he still has an ability to kind of – I think that both teams could say yes to that. Now, another one that I I really want to get your take on this, and I I, can't, I have a picture in my mind of, of how this works. Philly, the Sixers would get Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre Jr., and a 2022 second-round pick. This is what I was looking at, too. Okay. For Ben Simmons and Danny Green. Now, who says what? What was the, the Golden State side again? Wiggins. Wiggins, Oubre, in a 2022 second-round pick for Ben Simmons and David if, if I'm the Philly, If I'm the 76ers, I say I, I got to have a first because Oubre, okay. is, Oubre is cheeks, and he can't shoot the ball, so I'm, I don't want to add another piece that can't shoot the ball. Wiggins, granted, he can score 20 a game, but, you know, it's on a team where he's – you know, they're asking him to score 20 a game, which they would be in the 76ers, but it's, it, in my opinion, it's different. Like, he's not a superstar. Mm-hmm. Wiggins isn't a star. He's, I think he's more of an empty stats guy. Um, okay. So if I'm not getting a first-round pick, then I'm getting worse as a team in in a time where I need to win now. Because Embiid, you can't keep adding picks and, and then going on. Like, I, I don't think that – I think 76ers say no to that 100% because they need to add really? a piece that can win now. See, I and I'm I'm of the the thought. I do agree with the first. Uh, if you got a first round pick, I'm all in. Um, even with the second, I'm kind of like maybe. If I'm Philly, I got way more depth. 
think about it. You got Deb- Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, uh, Wiggins. Uh, you could run Seth Curry at the two, right? So Wiggins at the three, Tobias at the four, Embiid. Go grab you a point guard, someone that mm-hmm. just can facilitate. You got a well, lot like of like options. If they had enough money for for a Schroeder, oh my goodness, yeah, <laughs> that'd be a scary <laughs> team. But you got a lot of options, right? And then you got a Kelly Oubre who you can flip for something else. If you, if you want to flip him for something else, you totally can. Um, and you got a, you still got a deep bench. So and think- from the Warriors, I'm doing it. To be honest with you, I'm doing it because it. it oh, I would do it too. He's a great third piece, hundred percent. Exactly, because you got Steph and, and Clay. You could run Ben Simmons at the one, Steph at the two, Clay at the three, uh, Draymond at the four, and Wiseman at the five. You yeah, have yeah. two excellent def- – well, actually, three excellent defenders mm-hmm. and Ben Simmons, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Yeah. And two of the best shooters in the game and in history in Steph and Clay, and that's what Ben Simmons needs, needs around him. Um, and those guys don't need the ball, right? Ben Simmons does. He brings it up the court, finds somebody to shoot, bang, bang. Easy. That's, that's a scary team. And then you got veteran leadership in shooting off the bench with Danny Green. I, I think that's a win for, for the Warriors. That's a win for the Warriors. It's a win um, for the Warriors. It isn't if you it isn't if you trade for for the Sixers, um, and to see how they, how they can play that out. It is I, I like what I like what you're saying. One hundred percent great trade for the Warriors. Two, 76ers, It is a lot of depth, and they would still be good. But do you think a team can win with one superstar in today's league? That's the real question. And if if the answer is no, then you don't do the trade. Well. Do you think that the Philadelphia or the the Bucks can win? No, I don't think the Bucks can win. I mean, now they can because of injuries and the, the path was cleared because of injuries. But on a normal season, no, I don't think they could have. I think that about- they would have been swept by the Nets if they were fully healthy. Okay, what about Phoenix? I don't think Phoenix is a one star team. Really, you think they have more than one superstar on the team? I don't think. Well, one, I don't think Devin Booker's a superstar. I think he's okay. a star. Okay. Um, I think you got a second team all the NBA player in Chris Paul, who's mm-hmm. a point guard and a top three point guard of all time. Mm-hmm. So you got to credit that. You got Devin Booker, who I do think is a top 20 player in the league, but mm-hmm. my definition of superstar is like a top eight player. So that's mm-hmm. the only reason I don't say superstar. I think superstar and stars get mixed up, and we see it with Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I do think DeAndre Ayton is playing incredible. So I, I don't think that they have – I think that they have three people who – can do what you need them to do. So yeah. no, I don't I don't think the Suns fall into that. Okay. I mean, yeah, that that that's a tough one. Uh I, I think that a a team more centered around just a Ben Simmons works better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh I do think it is a team of duo or a league of duos, minus the Nets and their cheating selves. But <laughs> I do I do believe that it is a league of duos. I agree. So maybe maybe you flip Wiggins and Junior to go get somebody else star wise that can that can fill that. Or maybe even just Wiggins in, in that, that first round pick. You keep Ubre just as a bench piece. Because apparently I think, Wiggins, it, I think Wiggins has more trade value than Ubre. I agree. And, con- I, and contractually you can get more for him. It it all comes back to how dumb the seventy sixes are for not getting James Harden. Now and, and I agree with that. And I've been going back and forth with that. All day long, yeah. <laughs> and I've been looking at stuff and reading, and and I'm not convinced that the Sixers actually could have completed that trade. 
That's why I keep going back and forth. So I'm not well, sure how dumb their front office is. There was rumors that they had a deal things. in place, uh-huh. and they 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 wouldn't add an extra piece that the Nets wanted, and then or not the Nets that the Rockets wanted. Yeah. And then the Nets swept swept in and just said, "F it, we'll do it." And they just added a ton of picks. That what I'm hearing was yeah. the 76ers could have done, but they were a little bit more. Let's yeah, wait cool. and see, kind of thing. Gotcha. Because they thought they had the they thought they had the rub over everybody. Gotcha. Of what I've been hearing and reading is, uh, there's no guarantee that the Rockets would have done the trade with the whole GM switch. True. That, that's 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 the only part where I'm like I'm going back and forth. Now, if that trade is available and able to happen, yeah, they're stupid for not doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Clean up. We talked about that last week. They're just stupid for not doing it. They're stupid. Um, they're stupid. Yeah. The Nothing Rockets are stupid, too, because now they have nothing, oh, yeah. and they could have yeah, at least yeah. added a Ben Simmons to their team. Exactly. And just throw some shooters around him have his own team. I think he'd be yeah. better. Honestly, I do think he'd be better. Now, here's a question, mm-hmm. just because we love hypotheticals here. Love Let's it. say it's 76ers, healthy James Harden. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're moving past Atlanta. Yep. No question about that. Do they beat Milwaukee, and let's say they play the Suns in the finals? What, what's your take? A healthy oh. Philly with James Harden? Yeah. So a healthy James Harden. Healthy James Harden, yeah. Uh, and MB. Let's say his, his knee is not screwed up. And let's say okay. yeah, everyone's healthy. Let's just say everyone's healthy. And it's it's 76ers versus Milwaukee. And then it's 76ers versus Suns if you have them beat Milwaukee. Okay. I, I, I know you're going to hate what I'm about to say. So maybe, <laughs> you have to, maybe you have to take your, your headphones out or plug your <laughs> But it – 100% depends upon how James Harden shows up for the playoffs. Before you go off about your, your friend James, <laughs> he has a history of having troubles in the playoffs mm-hmm. when, when it's on the line. Now, he's one of the best scorers the game has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, and his ability to shoot the outside ball and get to his spots and, and fill the lanes – uh, alongside Embiid, I think would be I do think would be too much to handle for Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, they barely scraped by the Nets, and that was just with um, just with KD, KD really. and uh, KD and, and and well, they lost when Kyrie was playing, and they yeah. still almost lost with a banged up James Harden. So a healthy James Harden, I don't think that Milwaukee could handle it. Mm-hmm. Granted, this the Nets team I think has better depth in terms of shooting. Which wow. didn't show up, by the way. Joe Harris was sure. abysmal in that yeah, series. Yeah, I know we were supposed to get into that. So, yeah. <laughs> he was <laughs> small. That but, you know, you put a James Harden out there with a Seth Curry, um, he's going to get way more shots. A Tobias Harris is going to get easier looks. I, I'm going to fool around and say Philly wins that against the Bucks. I like it. Um, and do they beat Phoenix? I think that's an incredible series. That is an incredible series. I it would come down to the matchup of Embiid and Aiton, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that. I don't know that the Sixers would have the answer for Devin Booker though, mm. right? Because what Seth Curry would be matching up with him. Uh, I, think I think you put Tobias Harris on him. On Devin Booker? Yeah. Oh lord, I don't Do think you have to. Is, he's too too slow. I, think I know, but you, well, you can't put Curry on because Curry's not good at defense. You can't put Danny well, Green on because Danny Green's been getting eaten up on the defensive end. True. I think your your best bet would be Matisse Thibault 
because Tobias mm. Harris is too. He's too. That's low. true. You could you could put that on. Him. But then you know that leaves Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder wide open. I do think that Phoenix has a little bit has a little bit more dog in them mm-hmm. uh, than than that Philly team would. So I I I'd venture to say Phoenix pulls it out just because CP when he gets to that level. That's true. Right? You know, if he gets to that level, he hasn't been there before. But if he gets to that level, I'm, I'd be afraid to see him. Yeah. I, I think Book would just be a little bit too much for Philly to handle because if they don't have Simmons, who is their best perimeter defender, that, that kind of opens the door for Book um, in the, in their outside shooting. And can how does Embiid and Aiton, how, how does that matchup work? That I agree. Big question. Now, Embiid could go off because he could bring – he could definitely keep – Aiden out on the perimeter because he can actually shoot the three. He can shoot that so three he has ball. To, he has to keep Aiden honest on the three point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. Know, that would that would be a fun series. I think it might go seven. I think I think it'd be fun. Let before we head out, let mm-hmm. me get your take. We got Atlanta versus Milwaukee Bucks starting tomorrow night. Give me game one prediction and give me series prediction. Uh, Bucks game one, series Bucks and five. Bucks and five. <laughs> Really? I'm showing you how little faith I have in I, the, the I spent this entire day wondering <laughs> if Atlanta was gonna win this series. Really? Yeah. I, I don't I, I can't I cannot get behind that. Here's why. You got Trey Young, right? Mm-hmm. I think that Milwaukee will do what Philly didn't and couldn't do and contain Trey Young consistently. He's Get, don't get me wrong. He's a small guy out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Drew Holiday—that's what he's there for. Mm-hmm. He—he's—he's he's a bigger point guard who will get up in your grill and, and be there. Uh, a Chris Middleton's not going to let Kevin Herter go for twenty-seven, um, or even a Bogdanovich if he's back. And who? Well, I guess you have John Collins because I was going to say who is going to guard Giannis. John Collins is- and Giannis will be fun. Yeah, I'm both athletic. Uh, Capella would be a big, he'd be a big factor out there. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. um, because I think he'll he'll get dragged away from the three or from the paint by Brook Lopez. Um, so that will be, but I do think defensively, um, Milwaukee matches up better, and I think that they're more tenacious. Because don't forget, they got uh, PJ Tucker over there. So who, they do, who, they do. But so put PJ Tucker on whoever's scoring. It doesn't matter what position. Put him on whoever's scoring, and they're <laughs> gonna have problems. You put PJ Tucker on, on Trey Young, that's a problem. And then you could put Drew Holiday on a Kevin Herter and a uh, Chris Middleton on Bogdanovich, Giannis on John Collins. Can can who can Milwaukee keep up with points though? Because this Atlanta team can score. They they can, but you see, they only put one hundred three up on the seventy six. I know that's a game seven. I don't I don't count those. Well, game, you know, I, I think that Philly is not the greatest defensively. I think what game one they put up, the Hawks put one twenty eight up on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the most, yeah, that's the most points that they scored. From there, the games that the Hawks won, they put up one hundred three, one hundred three, one hundred nine. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and those are rel- all relatively close games. Minus actually, even the one twenty eight one was a close game. So those are all close True. games. The only games where it was high or was the 76ers game three put up 127 to 111. Um, so defensively, the Sixers contain the Hawks more than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I, I think that it comes down to the two matchups, which would be the Trey Young and Drew Holiday and Giannis and John Collins. So John Collins is, in my opinion, has been kind of quiet in the playoffs and Atlanta's still been winning. Mm-hmm. So how does he match up against Giannis? What what happens there? True. Um, and the scary thing is that the Hawks are five and two in the playoffs on the road. I know. So they're not afraid. They're not afraid to go on the road and, 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 and win. And the Bucks are not afraid to lose at home either. <laughs> so, so that could be interesting. Um, and last but not least, um, no one in the playoffs has made more foul shots in the first two rounds than Trey Young. So he's made the most foul shots in yeah. the first two rounds than anybody else. But no other team is averaging fewer fouls per game than Milwaukee. Mm. Okay. So Trey Young gets his buckets and does what he does because he gets to the foul line. That's how he's been able to to That's true. Atlanta stay alive. And Milwaukee has been doing an excellent job at not fouling. So what does Trey Young do then? And he's got a dog on defense on top of it. That's I true. don't think that he's going to be able to do the same things that he was doing. Um, and, and, you know, if, if Chris Middleton can keep shooting the way he's been shooting, because um, I, don't, I don't think Atlanta has a, a good enough defender to stop him or slow him down. Uh, the Bucks are seven and zero in the playoffs, and Chris Middleton shoots better than forty percent from three. Hmm. So hmm. I don't think that they have anybody to slow him down. Good stat. If if he can shoot the ball, then they just don't have an answer. I think my heart says Atlanta is seven. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> I I think it's gonna I think it's gonna go seven, and I think it's Milwaukee really? and seven. I really do. I think it's gonna go seven only because we've seen too many times Drew Holiday not showing up. We've seen too many times Middleton going super cold in the playoffs. Um, just like he did in game seven, both him and Drew Holiday, I think, shot a combined like 13 for 50. Yeah. They were awful. They so were awful. I, I just – I trust Atlanta's scoring enough to be able to win three games. Now, I'm not saying that this can happen, but I really want to see – I really want to see Atlanta in the finals. I'm not <laughs> – but, yeah. but I think it's going to be Milwaukee in seven. And you ha- you have Milwaukee in five, and uh, I'm excited to see um, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Um, once again, we're doing these every week, coming out Tuesdays. Tonight we have Clippers versus Suns, game two. We both have the Suns winning. Tomorrow night we have Milwaukee Bucks versus Atlanta Hawks. Noah has Milwaukee winning. I have Atlanta winning game one. And uh, just let's buckle in and get ready for some playoffs. Noah, thanks for joining me. Yep. Have a good uh, good day. Enjoy basketball, everyone, and we'll see you next week.